reading from the Gospel of John, starting to read at chapter 15, verse 18. If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world. But I have chosen you out of the world. That, that is why the world hates you. Remember what I told you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. They will treat you this way because of my name, for they do not know the one who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not be guilty of sin, but now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father as well. If I had not done among them the works no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. As it is, they have seen, and yet they have hated both me and my father. But this is to fulfill what is written in their law. They hated me without reason. When the Advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of Truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. All this I have told you so that you will not fall away. They will put you out of the synagogue. In fact, the time is coming when anyone who kills you will think they are doing, offering sorry, a service to God. They will do such things because they have not known the Father or me. I have told you this, so that when their time comes, you will remember that I warned you about them. I did not tell you this from the beginning, because I was with you. This is the word of the Lord. My name is Paul. If you don't know me, it's really nice to um, see you and speak to you. I'm afraid no dancing from me at the start of this sermon. Um, I'll spare you. Um, we are in this series, we are thinking about um, life together in Jesus. Uh, to put it another way, um, today, what it means to be part of Jesus' family. And really what Jesus is talking about now are some of the implications of that um, of what that means. Um, and um, some of them, as uh, uh, Jack and uh, Ruth have sort of flagged up, are not necessarily as easy as maybe we might like. So as we think about being a part of Jesus' family, we're going to think this morning about what it means, what to expect, and why we need to know. What it means, what to expect, and why we need to know. And as Jesus kind of carries on this uh, message for his disciples and for us. And a key image that we have this week is that of a master and a learner. A master and a learner. You know, it, we've had some key images along the way. The vine, uh, we've had um, uh, the, the foot washing. Um, I use the image of the well. We've had some, some hooks. This is our one that we'll think about today. And it comes in verse 20. Um, where he says, remember what I told you, a servant is not greater than his master. Um, so a master and a learner, servant, master, learn, uh, um, uh, uh, that sort of relationship. And as Pete was describing for us at the beginning with his picture of his globe, 
Um, there is something that has happened. Verse 19, if you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you don't belong to the world. I have chosen you out of the world. Now, this is like the bedrock foundation for thousands of the best stories that you know, okay? Let me show you what I mean. This idea of a learner and a master and being called out of one world into a different world is it's really the foundation for, for so many stories um, that you, uh, you do know. Um, and the, let me give you a couple of examples. Um, and the first one is um, Harry Potter, okay? You might know Harry uh, and his story. Um, when he discovers that he was a wizard um, and he is invited to leave his old family um, and uh, the sort of the situation that he's in, which is not a very happy time. Uh, he's kind of called out of that world and into this brand new exciting world of wizards. And it's under the, uh, uh, under the sort of leadership of, uh, of Dumbledore. Um, and he's given this whole new sort of life. He's given a whole new family, if you like, under Dumbledore and all the others who sort of make up his new family. Uh, he comes with it, a new mission, a new way of being, um, a new uh, sort of uh, direction in life. And with it, all the enemies of uh, Dumbledore and the, and the sort of, you know, the good characters in that uh, movie, they suddenly, he falls in with them, and now he is part of that family, and their enemies are now his enemies. Okay? You get that idea? Another one? Uh, any Star Wars movie you like just about runs this kind of story. So uh, Ray, and uh, she, you know, she's kind of plucked off her planet where she is. She's called out of that world into a totally different world. Uh, it comes under the, it, and she, get, you know, she finds a sort of figurehead, uh, Luke there, to train her. She's the learner, he's the master. Again, she joins this group, the resistance, who are fighting evil. And it means that once you join that family, uh, that new movement, that mission, the enemies, uh, the First Order in this case, they become her enemies. They are now hunting her down. They are after her. Do you get the idea? There's, you're called out of one world. When you are, you get a new family, a new mission, a new direction, and that brings with it lots of implications. And if you're like, well, Paul, all you ever do is witter on about movies. Um, let's, let's just imagine it in the world of sort of in history, um, in, say, the Second World War. Um, and here's another one, which is also a movie, but let's let that go. Um, but this is a true story. The idea that uh, there were, um, it's a very good story, um, at one point in the war, there were some, of, uh, some women were recruited as spies to go behind enemy lines into France uh, to use their language skills and their radio skills to help further the cause. And they had to go behind enemy lines. They were called out of their own world into a new one. They were joining this resistance movement, if you like, the fight back against the enemy. They were called into that. It was dangerous. They were given a new family. A new, they were given somebody to learn under. And as they do that, the enemies that are there and, and wanting to kind of you know, take over the world at that point become their enemies. They are on the hunt for them as well. So do you get this idea that you can be called out of the world, one world, into another, and it gives you a whole new shape and direction? Yes? Kind of get that idea? Yeah? Not too hard? Okay, Jesus is saying, I have called you out of this world, and that's why the world hates you. So what it means to be part of Jesus' family is to be called out of one thing into another, and we then come in under his leadership. So he's the master, we are the learner. Uh, his pattern, his family, the, move, the Jesus movement, his whole way of being, all of that we kind of come in and fall under. And it means that anything, anyone that is against Jesus 
is then we've come in under that. And so we find that, that opposition, that challenge, that difficulty. What does it mean? Uh, that image of a servant isn't greater than his master. So what to expect? Second, what to expect? What is Jesus? Why is he telling them this? What, what to expect? He is trying to say to them that a learner expects to face the same challenges, same difficulties, the same successes as that of their master. And you see that played out in those kind of stories. The character is kind of pulled out of one world. They then learn from the master, but the, the, the same sort of patterns happen to them. The same things that uh, the master has faced, they too will go through. Now, this is where um, I know John is quite dense. There's quite a lot to take in as we look at it. And if you've got sight of it, I'm going to just unpack some of these um, uh, verses here and show you that really what Jesus is doing through them all is saying, you see this idea that what happens to me, similar things will happen to you. They may be echoes, they may not be directly the same, but there'll be similar things that happen to you. What happens to me happens to you. There's a pattern of one and the other. And it starts just up, up in verses 18 and 19 where he begins, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. His pattern will be our pattern. If the world hates you, that'll be because it hated me first. That same thing will operate. How they treat Jesus will see echoes, familiarity will see how they treat his followers, us. So verse uh, 20, and having said, I've chosen you out of the world, he says, remember that I told you, servant isn't greater than his master. Um, if they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. Notice it's negative and positive, but we can expect the same kinds of reactions. If they persecuted you, it'll be because they persecuted Jesus. If they listen to you, they want to know more. If they want to follow, it's because they have listened. They want to know more about Jesus. Same kind of pattern. Uh, he says um, what he came to do, verse 22, as he goes on, um, he talks about the fact that he came to reveal who God is. And he says, you'll see that you have a similar role in lots of ways. So when he says, verse 22, he talks about, he says, if I had not come and spoken to them, they wouldn't be guilty of sin, um, but now they have no excuse for their sin. He says, if I, didn't, if I hadn't come to speak to them, um, they wouldn't know who God is. But that's what I did. I came, says Jesus, to reveal who God is. I came as a man uh, from uh, God to reveal God. I came to explain, to show. Do you remember Tim a couple of weeks ago? So that's what Jesus said when he said the works he was doing were to reveal who God is. And he's saying, I was, that's what I had to do. And in fact, then a little bit later, this is where it jumps down a little bit, um, when he talks in verses 26 and 27, he says, the advocate will come, that's the Holy Spirit, whom I'll send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who goes out from the Father. He will testify about me, and you also must testify, for you've been with me from the beginning. So if Jesus was coming to reveal God, he says, actually, you will have a role in that as well. You'll testify about me, Jesus, saying, I'm the one who is from the Father. It's like there'll be, there'll be signposts. They'll be saying, look, if you want to know who God is, look at Jesus. And they'll have a similar kind of role. Not identical. Jesus himself reveals the Father in a way that is perfect and unique. But we, his followers, have a role in saying, if you want to know about God and who he is, look at Jesus. You see a similar sort of pattern? In that process of then revealing who God is, um, he inevitably is going to expose sin. 
and he's going to expose their rejection. So as he goes on in verse 23, um, so having said, you know, um, if I hadn't come and spoken to them, they would uh, not be guilty of sin. But now they've got no excuse for it. Whoever hates my father, um, uh, whoever hates me, hates my father as well. Um, and if I hadn't done these things, uh, uh, these works, um, uh, they would not be guilty of sin, as it is they have seen, and yet they've hated both me and my father. What's he trying to say? He's trying to say, as I come and reveal God to them, and they reject that, it exposes the fact that they don't want to know God and they want to turn their back on God. And so as inevitably he exposes their rebellion um, and they're, they're not wanting to know God, he says That's, that means there are going to be those who reject um, uh, him. Uh, and he used the words, hating me and my father. And then he tees up for them, uh, his followers, that they too can expect the same kinds of rejection or that pattern of rejection. Again, it's not identical, but um, chapter 16, verse 2, he says, they will put you out of the synagogue. So just as I came to reveal who God is, and it sh just showed that they didn't want to know him, there'll be people who will then reject you, they won't want to hear what you have to say, and they will put you out of the synagogue. They'll take you uh, and they'll throw you out. Uh, and as, you know, there are places around the world where that's much more real than, say, in, this UK, uh, in our UK context, where Christians aren't allowed to meet and they aren't allowed to gather and they're um, sort of thrown out of places. Um, and he then, quoting the Old Testament, he says, un almost, unfortunately, this is going to, there's going to be no rational basis for this. It's going to seem irrational. Verse 25, um, this is to fulfill what is written in their law. They hated me without reason. I've come to, to reveal who God is. I've come to talk to them. I've come to show them God. And they're they're, without reason, they're going to respond to me. And he says, that same pattern you will see as well. Um, so uh, verse 2, again, of chapter 16, when they put you out of the synagogue, in fact, the time is coming when anyone who kills you will think they are offering a service to God. And it's going to seem just almost crazy. Uh, you're trying to follow uh, God, you're trying to follow his ways, and there are going to be people who are just who are going to think they are doing a service to God in wanting to kill you. It's quite stark, isn't it? But you see, there's the same pattern all the way through. What happens to the master is what the learner experiences as well. The same kind of pattern, the same kind of responses, the same kind of things that you um, hear and receive uh, all the way through that um, passage. If you stayed with me, that's hopefully you kind of got a sense of where that is. But why is he doing that? He's setting expectations for them. And if you step back and think, last week it was lovely, wasn't it? It's all about love. Um, we've had some great passages on that. Warm, fuzzy feeling. Yes, we should love each other. This is really great. And now we've got this stuff all about hate. And it feels like a bit of a handbrake turn. And I think what he's trying to get across to them is almost to say, you guys, um, as my followers, are going to be all about love. And you're going to be all about that. But you may get hate from others. You need to know that. You need to expect, get your expectations right. You are going to be all about loving one another. That's my command to you. Love one another. But you may get hate. Now, don't miss uh, the if um, that comes all the way through this passage. Again, if you get some time to read it later, you can just go through and just circle all the times he says if. He says, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. Um, and sometimes, um, let's just, 
kind of voice this. Sometimes I think Christians read that as saying, when the world hates you, uh, remember that it hated me first, and they go looking for the world to hate them. And so it's, you, you know, you've probably come across instances in the news, or you, you, know, you, kind of, you, you know when it gets written up, and you know the sort of thing I'm talking about probably, um, where somebody has gone out to largely be obnoxious or rude or offensive as a Christian because they're looking for a response of hatred so that they can say, I now wear this as a badge of honor. I'm a true believer because I'm hated. Do you know that kind of thing? Actually, somebody goes out looking to be uh, offensive. I don't think Jesus is talking about that. And they do it because they're kind of saying, look, I I will show that I'm a true believer by the amount of hate I get. It's not uh, what he's saying here. He's saying that may happen. You may get that kind of response. Um, But everything he said in the context of this um, series we're in, uh, he's not saying you go looking for that. You go and be as rude and obnoxious as you can be as a Christian. Um, A question that I just, as a a sidebar for a moment, a question I would love to ask you. Maybe you're here thinking, um, you know, you're not a Christian or you wouldn't call yourself one and you're kind of, you know, in thinking about things, investigating things, and you may be looking at this and read, or, or listening to me kind of going, wow, Christians have got a real complex, haven't they? It's kind of like a, whoa, you've got some them and us issues going on. Um, let me ask you a question, if you, or ponder this for a moment. In our day and age, there is always somebody out there ready to hate you, isn't there? If you think about social media, uh, you, don't, you, you see it, it's not just Christians. There's always somebody or a group ready to hate you. Um, somebody posts something, there's always a group ready to round on them and then decry them as uh, offensive or whatever it might be. There's always someone, there's always a group, there's always someone out there ready to hate you. My question for you to ponder is, what do you think is worth getting hate for? What do you think is worth getting hate for? Because Jesus is explaining, this is how you're to live um, when I'm not with you. You're to love one another. You're to be that kind of community. Now, you may get a response that rejects you and doesn't like you and hates you. But he's saying, because of who I am and because of what I'm asking you to do, that is worth it. And my question for you, if you're puzzling these things through, is what do you think is worth getting hate for? And have you considered what Jesus is saying and the model and the way he is and whether that is worthwhile? Okay, what it means to be called out of the world into this kind of new world, this new movement, this new family. You get the mission that comes with that. You also get the enemies that come with that. What to expect, the same kind of pattern. The learner and the master go through the same uh, sort of patterns. We shouldn't expect anything different that Jesus um, hasn't already faced. And he talks about the kinds of things that might be. Why do we need to know this? A couple of things as we kind of draw this together and finish. A couple of things. Firstly, as he says here, the reason I think he's telling them this is don't give up on Jesus. Don't give up on Jesus. Why is he telling this? Verse 1, chapter 16, all this I've told you so that you won't fall away. I'm leaving. This is still a thing. We are a community. You need to love one another. It's going to get hard. Don't give up. He's, you know, he's trying to be realistic with them. It's going to be challenging. Don't give up. Um, keep going. The world may not love you, but they didn't all love Jesus. Um, And so we shouldn't expect anything other than the mission and the family that we've kind of been brought into under him. Don't give up on Jesus. That's partly why he's telling them this. Uh, He's not sort of, um, uh, yeah, he's not trying to sugarcoat things. He's trying to to be realistic. Tough times are ahead. 
don't give up. But second, don't give up on love even when there is a lot of hate around. Don't give up on love even when there is a lot of hate around. If you think about this in the context of what he's been saying, he's been saying, look, I'm, I'm urging you, I'm calling you, love one another. This is what you're to be like. This is how you're to live. There will be hate out there. But even, that's why it's even more important that the community that we have, the love that we have for one another as Christians is so vital. If you think about it this morning, why have you come here today? What, what should it be like coming to church today? Coming to church today should be, shouldn't it, a place of loving support. It should be a place of refreshment and uh, where you come and you benefit from being with brothers and sisters in Christ. Where you come and you, you find, actually, this is where I'm with family who understand me. This is where I'm, uh, I'm, I'm supported, I'm encouraged. And the reality is I know for many, they come to church fearing this is where I'm going to be judged. This is where I'm actually going to be looked down on. This is where I'm going to be, I'm going to feel uh, like I'm not good enough. It's actually not Jesus is imagining a community of believers should be. This should be the place of refreshment. I sometimes use the image of an embassy. It might work for some of you, it might not. An embassy is where if you're overseas and you're kind of in a strange land and you're not sure what things are happening, you should be able to go to an embassy and know that's a bit of home. That's a bit where I go and I know that there'll be people who'll look after me there and support me and they know what my values are like and they know what it's like and and they'll help me out. It should be a kind of haven. It should be a place that we come from which we then go out into the world, but we go out supported. So to to not give up on love, even when there is enough hate in the world. And when we're here, it should be a place where we love one another, where you see somebody, you think, can I just go and ask, I wonder how you're doing? Is there something I can do to support you? Is there some way I can encourage you or help you or look after you? That someone sees you and comes over and says, how are you doing? Is there something that I can encourage you and support you in as, you, uh, as we try and follow Jesus together? Do you see what I'm saying? This should be a place of refreshment, of encouragement. The um, early church, um, in the, by which I mean in the sort of you know, first, second, third centuries, um, was a great example of this. Why? Partly because they were a really small minority uh, living in a regime uh, often where there was, you know, it wasn't a Christian world, it wasn't a Christian ethos. Uh, tiny little uh, churches who, what did they do? They patiently loved one another. They patiently looked out for those who were weak and vulnerable. They looked out, they tried to bring them in. Uh, They um, went out and uh, picked up and looked after those babies that had been left uh, on the roadside to die. Uh, They gave dignity to those in society who didn't have a place. Uh, They gave... um, uh, dignity to women in a culture where it wasn't given. They, they patiently tried to form communities that loved one another. But what's so interesting, here is, a, uh, here is the words of uh, a guy called Tertullian, um, who is a, an African Christian from the kind of late second, early third century. And he describes that's what, that's what they were trying to do. And he says this, it is mainly the deeds of a love so noble that lead many to put a brand on us. Now, a brand is like a hot iron where they, they kind of brand them um, uh, to, to persecute them. What's he saying? He's saying, actually, it's the, 
very thing that we were trying to do to love one another is the thing that the world really hated and despised and rejected. And yet they carried on doing it anyway. They knew that they needed to form these communities which loved one another, that might face that kind of rejection and hostility from the world, yet it was worth it. And the only, uh, the only reason I can, uh, we can see from Jesus and the way he's talking uh, to them about this, where do we get the sort of fuel, the ability to do that? We, we can't do that unless we look at him, as we, we've been doing each week, reminding ourselves that actually that's exactly what he did. He didn't go to the cross to, to come into the world, to die for people, kind of going, I'll do this if you all give me the right response and love me back. Actually, they, he did it knowing they would hate him for it. Uh, they despised him, they reject him, rejected him, they killed him. And yet he went and opened his arms on the cross for them anyway. He did it out of his love for them. And it's the only way, I think, that as we remind ourselves of that, of what he's done for us, that it reminds us, actually, as he's called us to love one another. May this be, may this be the kind of community we are building here. I wonder what you might be able to do even today as you go and speak to somebody that would just move that, you know, a step forward, uh, encourage somebody nearby. Why don't we pray together? Gracious Father, we pray. Uh, uh, we pray for us as a, as a community uh, of believers. Lord, might we know how to live this out. Might we be aware of uh, the reality of, of how we might be received. Uh, Lord, might we know that we are, we've been given that new family, that new mission, that new movement. We, we fall in under everything that you are doing. Um, please encourage us, strengthen us for that. Um, and Lord, just help us to think wisely about what that means. Uh, in the places that you have uh, uh, put us um, and in this church together, we pray. Amen.